Welcome to the Shanna Plan episode 55, the D Ford episode, the healthy D Ford episode. I am your host, Akash Anvarathan. Today, I am joined by our producer, Rob Guerrera, and you probably know him as Stats on Fire on Twitter. We KP is a little busy today, taking care of some technical difficulties. So we've got Rob. Rob, how are you doing? What's up, Akash? I'm good. I'm pumped up now. We finally have the 53. I was going to say, so the preseason is done. Three weeks, three games. The 49ers crushed the Las Vegas Raiders earlier this weekend. But that wasn't even the focus. The focus was all on Tuesday's roster cutdown. We are finally down to the 53-man roster. And Rob and I are going to go through group by group and just kind of give our takeaways, our feedback, kind of just what we thought the 49ers should have done, could have done, and we'll just go from there. So we're just going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the most important position in North American sports, the quarterback position. The 49ers kept two of them, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Uh, I thought this was pretty you know, expected. I didn't think they were going to keep all three in Garoppolo, Lance, and Nate Sudfeld. Even though they gave Nate Sudfeld, I think, around $250,000 guaranteed. So the 49ers will eat that in dead money. But that being said, I do expect Nate Sudfeld to be back on the practice squad. And if need be, he may be elevated on game day, which is a possibility um, with the new COVID practice squad rules that are still in place. So any surprises to you in the quarterback room? Anything you thought they could have done differently? My thing that jumped out to me was they must not be too worried about Trey Lance's finger injury because they're only keeping the two quarterbacks. And Kyle had said previously that he would like to keep three. So, because when I heard the seven-day thing on Lance, I was skeptical. Like, it's a broken bone. They don't usually heal in a week. And I talked to Mike Ryan, who used to handle the injuries for Football Night in America, and he was like, yeah, it could be seven days, but he probably won't really start to feel better until about two or three weeks. That was a pretty serious injury. We saw it uh, on Sunday as Trey Lance was kind of throwing the ball. He hit his hand on uh, a helmet. And if you'd noticed during training camp or practice, the 49ers defenders and offensive linemen, they wear extra padding on their helmets. They look massive. And this is the exact reason why. It's because when the quarterbacks release their hand, they tend to, you know, come down and and hit, you know, the linemen's helmets. And you can tend to, you know, break a bone in your finger or dislocate it. And we see that pretty often. I think Matt Stafford had a case of this last season. And that's what Trey Lance is dealing with. He's dealing with a broken bone in his throwing hand. Kyle Shanahan spoke with the media on Monday, I believe, and he said that it would, you know, Trey Lance would only be out seven days, but you're 100% right. Given the fact that they don't necessarily have Nate Sudfeld on the active roster, they must not be concerned and they must be all right with two quarterbacks, considering they've got a full two weeks till the season opener in Detroit. So it sounds like there's no concern for Lance making his, you know, regular season debut at some capacity against the Lions, but it will be something to monitor. Um, just, you know, from his health standpoint, moving forward. So moving along to the running back position, this was something that was heavily debated, at least on social media, but the, the first three guys were pretty clear. Raheem Mostert, uh, Trey Sermon from Ohio state and Elijah Mitchell, pretty clear that all three of those guys were going to make the 53 man roster. This fourth spot was kind of debated. It was either Wayne Gallman or Jamichael hasty. The 49ers decided to go with the younger guy in Jamichael hasty who actually led all NFC running backs in preseason rushing yards and preseason rushing touchdowns, a stat that is very, very valuable. (laughs) But 
Hasty made it over Gallman. Were you surprised with that? Did you think that Gallman was going to make it? What, what was your takeaway? I was surprised because coaches like running backs that can pass protect. And Gallman clearly was the better pass protector, not just the better of the two, but actually really damn good from what I saw in the preseason. So I was thinking that Kyle was going to be like, you know what? We've got Mostert. We've got Sermon. We've got Elijah Mitchell. Like, we don't need another guy that we have to depend on to run block. Let's give me the pass blocking, the safety valve kind of a guy. So I thought Gallman was going to make it, but I'm I'm happy. I like Hasty. He's got a little, you know, KP always calls it the jitterbug. And I agree, like, he can gain yards beyond the structure of the play and beyond what's blocked. And uh, I just think, you know, he's a perfect guy to just come in, give you a pop 12, 15-yard play. I was a Hasty fan. KP calls it the jitterbug. I call it the juice pop. He just has this burst to him that some of the other running backs don't. And if you watched Raheem Mostert on Sunday, he was gliding. I mean, that's vintage Raheem Mostert right there. Hits the hole, and it just it's just a pure runner. Just looks beautiful to watch. Trey Sermon runs with a little bit more force. Uh, and same thing with Elijah Mitchell. They all bring something different yes. uh, to the running back group. And Jamichael Hasty just has this, like, elusive shiftiness that none of the other running backs did. And I was also surprised. Uh, I thought just, you know, Gallman, given his experience uh, in the league, as well as just his versatility as a pass protector would have made the roster. But uh, we'll see if he lands on the practice squad. I imagine he'll have other opportunities to make another team's active roster. So I don't think he comes back to San Francisco, but it was an interesting decision nonetheless that was heavily debated. And the other pseudo running back fullback, uh, that we always knew was going to make this roster. No surprise, Kyle Juszczyk. So he's back on the 53-man roster just to round out the offensive backfield. And then up front, uh, the 49ers chose to keep eight offensive linemen. Trent Williams, your left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson, Alex Mack, Daniel Brunskill, and Mike McGlinchey. And then Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks, the two rookies, obviously made the roster. And then the last one was a bit of a surprise. They chose to keep Tom Compton. And if you remember, Tom Compton was the starting right guard in, in 2019 in the Super Bowl and obviously struggled, but has somehow found his way to make the 53-man <laughs> roster. A lot of people thought maybe Colton McKivitz, um, you know, the fifth-round pick last season, would make the roster ahead of Compton, or it would be Jake Brendel, the backup center who flashed during preseason. I think PFF graded him the highest-graded uh, offensive lineman uh, on the 49ers even though he played against backups, but he made it over those two guys. Did that, did that shock you a little bit? Did you think Tom Compton, Tom freaking Compton was going to make this roster? I did not see Tom Compton making the roster. First of all, I didn't even know the 49ers were allowed to cut fifth round picks. I feel like usually those guys end up being starters. So that was a little weird. Um, other than Mike McGlinchey, I feel like Tom Compton was the guy that got crushed on the 49ers offensive line a lot. People did not like him. Uh, and I'm a little stunned too, beyond the Compton, two rookies. Like yeah. that's your off. And this is not an offense that's easy on offensive linemen. You've got to do a lot of different things. You've got to be fast enough to get out on the edge. And now with this dual quarterback system, you got to essentially get used to two different cadences. It's not an easy thing for an offensive lineman to handle. And the Niners have two rookies of their eight offensive linemen. Yeah. David Lombardi brought up this point, David Lombardi of the athletic. Uh, he said that the offensive line depth on this active roster is really thin. I mean, they're starting five. I think, uh, is going to be a really good unit. And we'll monitor kind of their advanced metrics as the year goes on. But I think they're, they'll end up being a top 10 unit, both in run blocking and pass blocking. I mean, Trent Williams and Lakin Tomlinson were fantastic last season. 
And then you add Alex Mack to stabilize the center position. Mike McGlinchian has added weight. I think that group up front is going to be really good. It's really if any one of those guys gets hurt, you know, misses some time with like a COVID-related thing, that's when the 49ers might be screwed up front. Because all of a sudden now, if any one of your guards go down, is Tom Compton going to step in? Is Aaron Banks, you know, who they invested a second-round pick in, is he going to step in? Uh, who hasn't really, you know, looked good during this preseason and is in his limited, you know, showing, and then he got hurt. So just a lot of concern up, you know, up front. Obviously, Jalen Moore, I think, flashed a little bit, but again, he was also a, a day three pick, and now he's your swing tackle. So either McGlinchey or Trent Williams were to miss time. Now he gets inserted there. So all of a sudden, there could be a situation where you look up and an opposing pass rusher in the NFC West, like a you know, is going up against uh, Jalen Moore. And that, that could be worrisome just given, you know, their quarterback situation. So I would be I would be monitoring offensive line market pretty closely. I do expect Jake Brendel, the the center that they released to be back on the practice squad. I saw a report that he he will most likely be back. But beyond that, it, it, it looks thin. And I get they invested a second round pick, you know, in Aaron Banks, and they hoped that he would be the starting right guard. And then all of a sudden, Daniel Brunskill becomes your Swiss Army knife depth piece but banks didn't step up brunsko had to be the starting right guard and all of a sudden now they look a little thin beyond the beyond the starting five yeah and it's not like they have a long history like lakin tomlinson has a pretty good history of not missing games he's generally dependable but like trent williams hasn't played a full season in a long time mike mcglinchey we've seen miss time at different points like it's not like they have a bunch of iron men up front alex mack is you know he's old now he's not you know a young alex mack so you would imagine at some point different parts of this offensive line could miss time and it seems like the 49ers are banking on like well if it's only one dude we can make it work but if it's multiple at the same time i agree they could be in a world of trouble will add so on Sunday they played against Raider backups I understand but the starting you know off you know starting five played up front they didn't allow a single pressure according to pro football focus and that was the first time all preseason and I think they only allowed four pressures total as a as a unit and you know that was keyed obviously because on that first opening driver he mostert just gashed the Raiders and there wasn't necessarily you know these long you know uh passing opportunities there but that starting five, if they can stay healthy for a majority of the season and keep both Garoppolo and Trey Lance clean, I have a hard time seeing how opposing defenses slow down this offense, just given the fact that they can, you know, run it a variety of ways and then all of a sudden they hit you with the play action behind it. And, you know, the their biggest Achilles heel these past few seasons has been, you know, protect, pass protecting in, you know, deeper dropback type situations. And if they can do that successfully, then, you know, all bets are off. So moving on to the next position group, the tight ends. The 49ers surprisingly only chose to keep three tight ends, whereas they have kept four in years past. George Kittle, no doubt, made the roster. Ross Dwelly, who has really stepped up uh, this past you know offseason. And then uh, Charlie Warner, the rookie from last season, also made the roster. Did you think Jordan Matthews or Michael Pruitt would potentially make this? Were you surprised to see that they only kept three? I wasn't surprised to see Matthews go because if you can't block, you cannot be on this team. Like that is how Dante Pettis got in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Uh, It's just Kyle needs you to block regardless of who you are. And Matthews, I mean, he looks silly on some of these. It wasn't as bad as (laughs) Tim Tebow with the Jags, but it was bad. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to learn. I I was just talking to Matt Ryan, humble brag this week. Flex. 
Yep. Not going to lie. He said, other than quarterback tight ends, the hardest transition to make, you know, for rookies coming into the NFL. Well, Jordan Matthews is essentially a rookie as a tight end. He'd been a receiver his whole career. So he had long odds to make the roster. I actually have been kind of impressed with Charlie Werner, like as a receiving threat in the preseason. I thought he like had looked better than I remembered him. And I've been hearing that Dwelly has been, you know, stepping up too. So I I like the tight end room. Um, it's obviously Kittle and then a bunch of other people, but I think it's better. The depth there is better than it has been recently. I was going to say, you, you're right about the Jordan Matthews and being an inline blocker. That's really important in this offense. So where I thought Michael Pruitt could potentially add value because that was his role with the Titans in the past, right? He was, he was an inline blocker similar to, you know, guys that they've, the 49ers have had in the past and, you know, they guaranteed him, I think $500,000. So by cutting him, they're also eating an, an extra $500,000. So that's why I thought Pruitt maybe had the inside edge to being kind of the fourth tight end on this roster. But I think KP noted that Jordan Matthews was getting all the reps ahead of Pruitt in practice uh, Mm -hmm. when he was down there. So I guess the 49ers didn't like either tight end um, and they chose to release both of them. And I don't expect there to be a big market for either. So potentially maybe one of them lands back on the, the roster or the practice squad uh, down the line. So moving along wide receiver, another position that was, Talked about a lot, right? Which six, seven guys were going to be kept? This was heavily discussed, but at the end of the day, the 49ers chose to keep Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, duh, of course, Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield. Those four guys were pretty clear the cream of the crop in in uh, training camp and preseason. Trent Sherfield, I did not have him on my 53-man roster, like coming into training camp. You know, when KP and I talked about this, I just thought he was going to be released. I thought he was a special teamer, but he was fantastic on Sunday. Uh, He seemed to be making every play. They targeted him, I think, four or five times. So he's going to be a valuable addition to this offense. If he can just stay healthy and play 17 games, I think the Cardinals made a mistake and they're going to miss him this season. And then the last two guys. So this was down to Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings, Travis Benjamin, Simba Webster, like who could add value in the return game versus the – you know, the receiving game and Kyle Shanahan made it pretty clear that Jalen Hurd was one of the, you know, six best receivers uh, on the roster last week. And we thought, okay, is he like kind of blowing up his trade value or is he being honest? And Kyle Shanahan was honest. Hurd finally played on Sunday, had a few catches, looked good. Looked good. (laughs) You thought he looked good. He, he was moving slower. I did. I did note that it seemed like he didn't have any burst. Uh, or athleticism compared to his Baylor tape, but it was his first live action. Uh, there were a couple snaps. Maybe you noted this on Twitter where he, or maybe it was Dieter Curtin back. He didn't know where to line up. I think mm-hmm. there was a play where another receiver kind of had to move him, but I just, I, you know, account that to being, Hey, it's his first live preseason game in like two years. Let's just get him reacclimated. Uh, and clearly the 49ers offensive staff believes in him enough. And then the last guy is Jawan Jennings. I thought Jawan Jennings was going to make the roster over Jalen Hurd because he's just provided more over these past few weeks. But both those guys are there. They, you know, these group of six guys provide a ton of versatility. They can play multiple positions along, along the line. Uh, they can be moved around. A lot of those guys are also threats out of the backfield as runners as well. So just versatility for Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. I wasn't necessarily surprised. I thought Travis Benjamin might make it over Jalen Hurd. Maybe if you'd asked me last week, that would have been my opinion just because Benjamin gives you the deep threat ability, the return ability. But at the end of the day, I think 
the 49ers valued what Hurd brings and want to see what he can do in the regular season after spending a third round pick on him. So I, I have no problem with that. This to me just says like Kyle Shanahan has his guys. And if he likes you, you get a lot of leash. And if he doesn't like you, you don't get any. I mean, this is year three now of Jalen Hurd. We still have no idea if he's any good. And I don't even know how Kyle could say he's good because he hasn't even really been practicing that much. He's been so hurt. I thought the Niners staff did everything possible to make Jalen Hurd look good against the Raiders, and he did everything possible to stop that from happening. He was dropping balls. I agree with you. He didn't look like he had much burst. You talked about him not knowing where to line up, but if Kyle likes you, you're good. So Jalen Hurd is on the roster. In general, this wide receiving core is a punch you in the face wide re- like this is the maybe the most physical receiver core top to bottom in the league i think tennessee with aj brown and julio jones has like the two most physical starting just physically imposing guys but if you look at the whole group i mean this this is a group that is going to block they're going to come out of the backfield like you said and they are going to run after catch and punish people so i like that i i the, clearly the 49ers are built to win a certain way Running is going to be a key factor for this team. But the fact that Simba Webster and Travis Benjamin are gone, Akash, does that mean that Brandon Ayuk is the punt returner for this team? Finally, it's like they (laughs) heard our prayers. Put your best punt returner back there. Give your guy the ball. Put it in his hands and just let magic happen. And finally, Brandon Ayuk looks like he's going to be the starting punt returner. The kick returner, I don't think will be Brandon Ayuk. I think Elijah Mitchell's potentially candidate that can handle that. Um, and I, I, I think it won't be Ayuk returning kicks for sure. But finally, they let they give Ayuk an opportunity to return uh, punts. That was an area he was successful at at Arizona State. It was evident when you watched his tape, kind of after the 49ers drafted him, that he can really add some pop in that area. And I get the injury concern, but that's that's part of football. It can happen on any play. But just because it's the case doesn't mean you put your you don't put your best players out there to play as much as possible. So you just got to live with it. Um, and I think it's the right decision. So I think I do think that Simba Webster is a, a candidate for the practice squad. I don't think Travis Benjamin quite is. But if they bring back Webster, then again, a, another potential body they can elevate on game day. And if need be, depending on the situation, you could always use him in, in return positions as well. I also like Ayuk as the punt returner, like, The 49ers were 21st in the league last year in average starting field position. And they did not have an offense that made a lot of big plays because of all the injuries. So those two things combined meant every drive had to be 12, 13, 14 plays. That's a tough ask, and regardless of who your offense is. I like Ayuk there. I agree. Give your playmakers the ball. And just like... I feel like they're oh they were always like holding him back, right? Even when he had a good game, Kyle Shanahan was like, "Oh, I think he took a step backward." It was like his career high game, and that was one of the first things Shanahan said at the podium, like, "Show a little faith in this guy. He wants to do it. He's gone to the team and said that he wants to do it. So let him do it, and let's see what happens here." Hundred percent agree. I would just say let Brandon Ayuk return punts, depending on the situation. If it's a position where you know, you're in like fair catch territory. You're really backed up against the end zone, something like that. Maybe you bring in Simba Webster or let someone else return punts. But if it's in a position where uh, you can make an impact, maybe house one or bring one back, then you let you let your best player in that spot go ahead and return punts. I'm just telling you, Trent Taylor, probably going to be available. He didn't make the Bengals roster. You know, you can always bring him back.
Whew, I do not want to see Trent, Trent Taylor return a punt for this team. <laughs> uh, I did see a clip. I think Bleacher Report posted something on Sunday where Trent Taylor broke a bunch of tackles and had a huge highlight play for the Bengals. But I guess that wasn't good enough for him to make the 53-man 53, 53 roster. So, But, you know, him and Kittle, they've got a bond, so maybe he's got an inside route to come back and join this team on the practice squad. We shall see. So we just covered the offensive side of the ball. They kept 24 guys there. And the three special teamers are pretty obvious. Tabor Pepper, Robbie Gold, Mitch Mitch Wisnowski, who boomed a few punts on Sunday. We will go ahead and take a break. After the break, we will talk about the defensive side of the ball. All right, welcome back. Now we will focus on the defense where the 49ers uh, front office had some choices to make. Their defensive line kind of coming into this training camp preseason period was extremely deep. They had talent both on the interior and at edge. And I think the question among a lot of fans and people that cover the team is, how are they going to manage to keep all these guys? They're so talented, so deep. And it's a posi- it's a position group that dominated in 2019 and can potentially be even better in 2021. How are they going to keep all these bodies? Well, the 49ers kept two quarterbacks instead of three. They kept three tight ends instead of four. And they've used, you know, kind of the extra resources saved from those position groups right back into the defensive line. So we'll start there. They kept Samson, Ebukam, Arden Key, D Ford, and Nick Bosa as your edge rushers. Uh, Jordan Willis uh, obviously is out with a suspension for six weeks. So he's on the reserve suspension list. But I'm guessing when the suspension is done, he'll be promoted back to the active roster at that time. And then on the inside, you've got Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. DJ Jones, Zach Kerr, Kevin Givens, and Contavious Street, and then Mo Hurst. Uh, Mo Hurst did make the 53-man roster, but he's still dealing with his high ankle sprain. So he will be placed on injured reserve, which with the COVID rules, he can return in three weeks, which is about the timeline for his injury return. So that is a corresponding move that the 49ers will likely go ahead and make. So they have 11 defensive linemen on the roster right now. They will likely put Hurst on IR. So they'll have 10 defensive linemen, and then they'll sign someone else uh, to fill that roster spot. And they probably have a wink-wink deal with a veteran who said basically saying, hey, we'll cut you today, but we'll bring you back uh, once we place Hurst on IR. That's how these things kind of work. And we could potentially we could talk about who that player could be in a minute, but just this defensive line group, the ability for them to keep all 11 guys on the roster is huge. Um, I think it's going to be the, the best position group on the team, and I think they're going to be better th- better than they were in 2019. I love this so much because it shows clearly the 49ers know exactly how they're going to win games and how they want to win games. Pressure from the front up front, incredible speed at linebacker, and a secondary that gives you no big plays. So if you're going to go score on the Niners, you're going to have to mount those long drives like we talked about earlier. And good luck, by the way, because we're going to be pressuring your quarterback constantly, no matter who's in the game. And we have so many good guys on the D-line that in those critical situations, third down, third and five, whatever it is, we're going to be able to bring in our number one squad, Bosa, Ford, if he's there, Ebuka, all those dudes, and they're all going to be fresh because we're going to have rotated them throughout the game. I love what they did here, and I, I don't see how it doesn't pay off. Agreed, especially along the interior. I mean, they've got so many guys that have been effective in the past. Kevin Givens is a player that Kyle and I 
loved last season. And we talked about him a bunch on the pod, if, if you've been listening. And he's now maybe their like fourth best interior defensive lineman. It's it's insane how deep this group is. And we saw that on Sunday. They were ragdolling the Raiders offensive line. It's had a couple weeks ago against the Chargers. And it's going to be the consistent theme. And I think the 2019 formula is kind of back together in place and with upgrades in different spots. But it's pressure up front defensively and just good enough coverage on the back end. Uh, defensively and then offensively run the ball down your throat, take advantage of play action and then hit big plays on the field. And the difference from 2019 is now they have Trey Lance, uh, you know, as a, another threat in the run game as well as the pass game to mix, you know, defenses up. So just, just a fantastic formula and just impressive. They were able to, able to keep all these 11 guys uh, intact. Then, move, you know, going back to the earlier point that I made. So, Hurst will be placed on IR probably soon, and then they'll sign somebody else. Who do you think that player or position could be uh, that the 49ers will target for that last roster spot? Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is that maybe that's – they told Sudfeld, like, hey, we'll bring you back once that happens. That's so that I feel like that would be the least useful spot, right? Really? Like, I, I would love to see them either go with another offensive lineman or – uh, a defensive back. I mean, the corners, that is like my the scariest part on this team. I do not like the, the depth there. I don't like the fact that Ambry Thomas has looked hideous. The only play I, I can remember from Ambry Thomas's preseason is him whiffing on that Raiders tight end that allowed him to go in and score on Sunday. Yep. Like, So I hope it's a defensive back, but I could see them sneaking Sudfeld back on the roster like that. What about you? I would potentially use that roster spot again on the offense along the offensive line uh maybe a jake brendel mm-hmm. uh, maybe a colton mckiff it's just someone someone to add some depth along the offensive line or a defensive back dare i say dante johnson oh no we'll can get, we we'll have get, a year without him <laughs> on the team we'll we'll get to the defensive backs next but dante johnson didn't make the 53 man roster surprise surprise so i would think one of those two positions potentially could use the extra body or tight end Maybe they have a wink-wink deal with either Michael Pruitt or Jordan Matthews as the fourth tight end. I could see one of those three spots, but you're 100% right. Using that open spot created by Hurst for Sudfeld just doesn't make sense. And it would also have to be a player that you have to release when Hurst does come back onto the active roster in three weeks. So if it was Sudfeld, would you release him again and then re-sign him on the practice squad? I just think it, it would be someone like Dante Johnson or a Michael Pruitt, uh, just someone that, you know, you know that you could release at any point and, you know, wouldn't be picked up by any other team. So I think that's the path they go, but we will find out when they make those corresponding moves. Moving on to linebacker. There was a trade this morning. I woke up to this, to these news super early in the morning, like 5.30, I want to say. The 49ers traded Jonas Griffith and a 2022 seventh-round pick to the Denver Broncos for a 2022 sixth-round pick and a 2023 seventh-round pick. So if you're just working, if you think that you know the seventh-round picks in different years are equivalent, then the 49ers basically traded Jonas Griffith, a former undrafted free agent, for a sixth-round pick. Griffith probably wasn't in line to make the 53-man roster. He did you know, flash during the preseason. I thought he, ha- he had some good plays, and this is just – Really good work from the 49ers front office to be able to turn an undrafted free agent, coach him up, and to be able to flip him for a sixth round pick, which are picks that you, you know, the 49ers have used on valuable players in the past, is just, you know, really good business. So I thought that was impressive. Um, so it was, it was good news to wake up to. And then the other five linebackers that made the team, 
Fred Warner, highest paid linebacker uh, up until uh, Darius Leonard got his deal, but the best linebacker in the game, Fred Warner. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz El Shire, uh, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, and Marcel Harris. So Marcel Harris being the you know, the safety converted into a linebacker kind of made Jonas Griffith probably expendable. But I do like him at that position as a third linebacker on the field. He just provides more value closer to the box than, you know, the deeper third of the field. So what do you think of the linebacking group? I think that the speed there is going to be impressive. And I think that the 49ers value flexibility and sort of, I don't want to say positionless football, but I think that with Marcel Harris on the field, it's going to give people pause a little bit because, you know, he used to be a safety, so he has some coverage skills, some coverage skills. So I feel like they like that to be able to kind of throw that in there and trip people up a little bit. You know, they can disguise some different things. I think it's going to let uh, D'Amico Ryans be a little more aggressive in spots. But I, I like the 49ers linebackers. And again, I think the speed there is what's going to impress people. And I think it's it complements the front very well. The 49ers are cornering the market on undersized linebacker safety converts, right? Fred Warner coming out of BYU was an undersized linebacker who might have been a safety like 15 years ago, but now one of the best covers linebackers in the league. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan Foles was a former college safety. Now he's converted to a linebacker, Marcel Harris. So the 49ers are looking for quicker, twitchier linebackers who can cover because that's what you have to do in the NFL these days, cover you know smaller, shiftier running backs and bigger tight ends but also be able to play against the run. So they're, you know, it's just the evolution of the position. And it seems like the 49ers have a really solid group. Um, And on that note about the linebacking group, uh, our prayers do go out to linebackers coach, Johnny Holland. The 49ers sent out a team statement that uh, coach Holland will be stepping away from the team uh, to deal with some personal um, medical issues. So our prayers do go out to him and his family. Uh, Moving on to the next position. Uh, the defensive backfield. So we'll start with the corners. Uh, the 49ers have six of them on the active roster. Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley, the baddest looking cornerback duo with two and four. Uh, I think when they step on the field, it's going to look <laughs> pretty freaking awesome. Uh, and then Amory Thomas and Diamador Lenoir. And then Devontae Harris and Kwan Williams rounds out the group. I do think they're pretty thin at this position. It's been a position of concern from day one, but... It's impossible to build a perfect roster and, you know, there's holes at different spots. And this was where I think there's a pretty significant, you know, hole in depth if something was to happen to Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley. And we've seen that with Mosley. He's been, he's missed time already uh, this off season uh, with various things. And obviously the third round pick, Ambry Thomas has not looked good at all. So the 49ers second round pick Aaron Banks and third round pick Ambry Thomas from this past season just have not shown much during preseason, which should be concerning uh, because they were both drafted in hopes that they could be depth positions this year and hopefully, you know, take over as starters, but they have not shown that yet. Diamador Lenoir, the, or Lenore, I guess the day three pick, he's looked really good uh, at outside corner. They tried him at nickel corner against the Raiders. Didn't look as good or didn't look as comfortable, I should say. So you know, he would be the backup outside corner if either Verrett or Mosley were to go down. And I would trust him in those spots. He's he's looked really, really good at outside corner. Devontae Harris was a surprise, but the 49ers wanted some veteran depth uh, as insulation. And they went ahead and chose Devontae Harris over Dante Johnson. Uh, a lot of jokes on 49ers Twitter about that, that there was some miscommunication about which 
Dante or Monte <laughs> to keep uh, between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But Harris does have experience in the NFL, and I think he's he did particularly play well in those joint practices against the Chargers is what I had heard. So that probably solidified his roster spot. Cornerbacks, you were concerned as I was going through that. What is your concern? Well, like you said, number one, I think the just the overall skill level is not where it is at some of the other positions. Like, yeah, Jason Verrett could be really good, but his injury history is really, really scary. And Emmanuel Mosley is not bad by any stretch, but he's also not great. And when my number two corner is just okay, like an average guy, that means the overall talent level at my at that particular unit is not that great. Kwan Williams is, is a good slot corner. I want to give him his due. But I just think that, like you said it perfectly, you can't build the perfect roster here. And I think the 49ers are counting on the other strengths of their defense to make up for that. Like they, you have to compensate in some way, right? So that's like, all right, our corners are not that great. Well, we're going to have safeties that don't, you know, that can help pick up the slack essentially. And we're going to have a front seven that are just absolute monsters. So hopefully the stress on those guys is going to be lower than it will be on any other part of the defense. 100%. And it was kind of the 2019 formula, right? Obviously, they had Richard Sherman at that time, but the, the position opposite Richard Sherman was always shaky between Amanda Mosley and Akello Witherspoon. It was always flip-flopping, but it didn't matter because you had Nick Bosa and D Ford and Eric Armstead and Forrest Buckner rushing the passer. So your corners really didn't have to cover for very long because those guys generated a ton of pressure. And I do think D'Amico Ryans in that sense will be more versatile this season in generating pressure there were a lot of different looks he showed against the Raiders there was one specifically I remember where they had seven guys up against the line of scrimmage and very rarely would you see Robert Sala bring that much that many guys in pressure even last season when their pass rush just wasn't very good but D'Amico Ryan sent seven and they played you know uh, I think the Raiders had three receivers so they played man with I think Hufanga was kind of playing center field safety so a lot of different looks from D'Amico Ryan's this season which will be fun to watch uh, but I do think you're right that the pass rush, the safeties, linebacking group will have to kind of account for the deficit a little bit in this area. And just rounding out the 53-man roster at safety, Kwaski Tart, Jimmy Ward, Talanoa Hufanga, the fifth-round gem, and Tavon Wilson. I do think this is a underrated group on the roster. Uh, Ward and Tart, uh, one of my favorite safety tandems in the league. I know they don't get the turnovers or the flashy stats, but they just played – sound football I was really excited to see tart on the field on sunday uh just provide some pop and i was glad to see him healthy and playing out there and then hufanga just has this demeanor about him that's different than the other safeties when he you know i think he had a play where he blitzed free uh on nathan peterman and he just was screaming across the edge super fun to watch so i think he's gonna be vying for playing time uh with with tart and ward so that is the roster. Just as an overall group, how would you rank kind of the 49ers roster among the others in the NFL? I think there's probably 25 to 27 teams that would kill to have a roster as talented as what the 49ers are rolling out. They're like, I go back to the days of cash when the Niners were rolling out JT O'Sullivan as their starting quarterback to begin the year. And I love JT, but even he would admit that is, you're in for a different kind of season if that's the dude you're rolling out there. I mean, I look at this roster, like I talked about, I think cornerback is probably their weakest area, and it's still really, really good. Like, I, I, 
I keep telling people that I think the 49ers have a Super Bowl roster and the, the hosts that I work with on the SB Nation NFL show keep laughing at me. They think I'm nuts. They think I've got the blinders on. They think I'm, you know, drinking the Kyle Shanahan Kool-Aid. But like, honestly, I feel like you're fairly objective about this stuff. When you look at this roster, is it not one of the top 10 rosters in all of football? 100%. I think they're a top 10 roster across the board. Defensively, I think they're going to be fantastic. Um, Just give them the depth up front. I think that's going to carry that unit. They were a top two unit in DVOA in 2019. I think they were top six unit last season with all the injuries. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be right in the mix there. I think be a top 10 defense again uh, in DVOA. Offensively, I think it's just going to come down to how Kyle Shanahan manages this two quarterback system, right? And I know you, I know stats went viral this past weekend for speaking <laughs> out against the two quarterback offense, but we, we got a taste of it against the Raiders and how Kyle Shanahan just would, you know, uh, switch back and forth between Lance and Garoppolo depending on the play. And in that first drive, it was just it was really back and forth. There was no rhyme or reason to it. I think just depending on how he feels and what play he wants to use, he kind of inserted a quarterback. And I think that's kind of going to be the biggest question mark for this team this season is how that duo and that dynamic works out for the offense. Because I think they're going to run the crap out of the ball um, against everybody. And it's just a matter of, you know, can the quarterback stay in rhythm and, you know, have that chemistry with the rest of the offense to keep a smooth, you know, show on the road. And I think that'll kind of determine where they are this season. But just as a roster talent-wise, given their health so far, I think they're a really, really good bunch. And it's just going to come down to these things. And obviously they play a fourth-place schedule this year, given their record last season, which will be an advantage. And really, I think week three will be the first test for them. I think the first two weeks, you never overlook opponents, but – the Lions and Eagles are just no match on paper for the 49ers. And week three, that Packers Sunday night football home opener will kind of be the first test for the 49ers roster-wise, given you know who's coming into town. I have said this since the schedule came out. I think the 49ers are going to murder them in that game. Honestly, it's the first home game of the season. Fans are back in Levi's for the That's first true. time in the regular season. Last time Aaron Rodgers was there against like any semblance of a squad that resembled hopefully what we think we're going to see, they crushed him and the quarterback threw eight passes in the NFC Championship game. And, oh, by the way, David Bakhtiari, the great left tackle for the Packers, sure. starting the year on the pup list. So he's not going to play in that game. Enjoy, Nick Bosa. Go eat. Like, I think – and and the Niners are going to be wearing the red 94 throwbacks. That's a good point. That's a good on point. On Sunday yeah. night football, like, good luck, Green Bay. Yeah, bet, bet the house. I, I forgot about the red 94 <laughs> throwbacks. Yeah. I feel like what the, those are just magical. You know, the white throw, white 94 throwbacks were just had, like, magical powers. So, I'm sure the red <laughs> throwbacks hopefully follow suit. But getting ahead of ourselves here, they do have practice the rest of this week, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I think they have the long weekend off for Kyle Shanahan, and they'll be back to a regular work week next week as they prepare for week one in Detroit. And we'll have you covered throughout it all. Once again, we appreciate you for tuning in to Niners Nation Podcast Network, all the podcasts uh, throughout the week. We really, really appreciate you. As always, please do subscribe to the Podcast Network wherever you do listen. Drop us a review, rate us five stars, comments, questions, concerns, anything. Drop it in there. We'll check it out. Uh, Rob, where can they find you on social? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at StatsOnFire. I like to say I'm there for the arguments, so bring it on. 
at Sats on Fire. He has been tweeting up a firestorm recently. <laughs> He's been in the middle of some controversy. So you definitely want to follow him. You can find me, same thing, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V on Twitter. And as always, go Niners.